the number four, and listen to the show live. You can also contact us on Facebook at Provocative Thought PT Community Organization. Tonight's topic, mandatory immunization or vaccination. Vaccination is a medical treatment administered to an otherwise healthy individual. Virtually all other invasive medical interventions occur only once someone has fallen ill. Vaccination, like most medical treatments, can involve some risk. Are the risks greater than the disease that vaccinations are said to prevent? What are the legal issues regarding the immunization slash vaccination mandate? Someone said, some diseases that are prevented by vaccines like hepatitis, whooping cough, the chickenpox remain common in the United States. On the other hand, other diseases are no longer common in this country because of vaccines. However, if we stop vaccinating, even the few cases we have in the United States could very quickly become tens or hundreds of thousands of cases. There is no federal law requiring vaccination of children. These laws are left to the state and local government. While many areas require vaccinations for children before they are allowed to enter daycare or school, there are exemptions that may apply, says Mr. HG.org uh, of Legal Resources. Mr. HG, oh. uh, who can we trust? Dr. Colleen Boyle of the CDC testified under oath before Congress in November 2012 that the body of evidence shows there is no connection between mercury and vaccines and autism. The man who supposedly conducted studies for the CDC providing the vaccines, providing evidence that vaccines do not cause autism is a wanted criminal was stealing millions of dollars from the CDC and is still on the run from the law. But that story is seldom as ever reported in the mainstream media. To understand the autism vaccine debate, one must look outside of the healthy, big, pharma-funded mainstream media. Dr. Hooker, a Ph.D. scientist, worked with two members of Congress to craft a letter that recently resulted in his obtaining a long-awaited, uh, long-awaited data from the CDC. According to Hooker, the data on over 400,000 infants born between 1991 and 1997, which was analyzed by the CDC's epidemiologist Thomas Verstratin, MD, proved unequivocally that in 2000, the CDC, CDC officials were informed internally very high risk of autism, non-organic sleep disorder, and speech disorder associated with mercury, which in this case they, it's the term they use is thermosol exposure. But now, clear evidence is this, a newly acquired abstract from 1999 titled Increased Risk of Developmental Neurologic 
impairment after high exposure to thermosol containing vaccines in the first month of life require the approval of top D officials prior to its presentation to the Epidemic Intelligence Service. Thermosol, which is 50% mercury by weight, was used in most childhood vaccines in the R-H-O-G-A-M shot for pregnant women prior to the early 2000s. The CDC maintained there was no relationship between thermosol containing vaccines and autism rates in children, even though data from the CDC's own vaccine safety data link database shows a very high risk. Now, that's some double talk right there. Parents can be reassured that the trace, they said that parents that can be reassured that the trace quantities of aluminum and vaccine, vaccine can't possibly be harmed. Paul Offit, vaccine promoter, vaccine patent licensor, and self-appointed autism pundit, 2015. The vaccine papers. Paul Offit made the fraudulent statement that an infant can safely receive 10,000 or even 100,000 vaccinations. He goes on to say, this quack statement is proudly displayed on the Children's Hospital of Pennsylvania's website. I hope not. I would strongly argue everyone who values their child's life to stay away from CHOP. P.S. 10,000 vaccines is five liters of fluid, which could kill an infant. Paul Offit is Vaccine Education Director for CHOP. In the real world, if a child receives a vaccination, it is typically 0.5 milliliters. After vaccination, there is a temporary increase in the amount of aluminum in the body, but this is not a lasting effect. The body gets rid of most of the aluminum in just a few days. There is no evidence that this causes any risk to babies and children, says the Oxford All Vaccine Group. Business of vaccines is soon to become a major source of profits for the world's largest pharmaceutical corporation. A press release, Business Wire, January 21st, 2016, published by MarketWatch.com, says that Technovo, one of the leading technology research and advisory companies in the world, predicts that pharmaceutical corporations who produce vaccines will reach an estimated 61, 61 billion in profits by 2020. That's three years from now. Today, the vaccine market is worth close to 24 billion. The report titled Global Human Vaccine Market 2016-2020 gives an in-depth analysis of the possible revenues and Imaging market trends globally, according to the press release. The report study indicates that the introduction of new products is fueling the growth of the market. However, the significant expansion of the current product offering is also expected to boost the market growth due to the increasing prevalence 
rates of various infectious disease such as diphtheria, influenza, hepatitis, pneumococcal disease. I don't know if I said that right. Meningococcal disease. Um, there has been a notable increase in these of these vaccines across the globe. So, oddly enough, to perpetuate the disease and its prevention is to create a market for the immunization of that disease and provide a cure. That is the evil genius that does. It is suspicious, at least. There's been a correlation between the uh, increase in disease and the need for vaccines. I might, some people might think that's a natural, uh, the natural order of things, but what if it's not? That's just a question I'm putting out there. So, Mr. Larry Cook said, stop mandatory vaccination. To the dangers of vaccinations, uh, uh, vaccines and vaccination. Vaccines are the medical treatment that is administered to an otherwise healthy individual. Dangers of, are real and can be substantial and lifelong for some life-ending. Additional uh, vaccines have not been subject to toxicity studies for many of the ingredients such as aluminum and mercury, which are known neurotoxins. Now, I think uh, mercury was used uh, as to improve the shelf life of the, of the vaccine. I don't know why they use aluminum in the, in the vaccine. I don't know. Maybe they use for the same reason. Anyway, they have not been studied for adverse effects in the combinations in which they're given multiple shots in a single day. I know, you know, many parents or caretakers have taken a child to the uh, doctor to get shots, and they get multiple shots. Uh, Mr. Um, Cook is saying that there's not been many studies um, enough about the effects of that. So I guess the, the fact that you take your child there and whatever happens as a result of that would, would be part of some study someday. It cannot be guaranteed to provide the benefit of immunity for which they are given. And the shots are used to prevent benign childhood diseases, diseases which actually teach the immune system how to work properly. You're um, skipping it in the class for the immune system. They're not getting that it's not getting that work that it needed. So vaccines are unavoidably unsafe and contain unavoidable viruses that are infect bacteria and contaminants. So no other drug or medical product is similarly manufactured. If contaminants are found in them, the product is called is recalled. The FDA even recalls food. When some of the viruses contaminated vaccines have a known effect, as in the case of simian virus SV40 that causes cancer. Other effects are unknown. In 1975, Gina Barry wrote an article in the journal Science in which scientists at the FDA admit that all live virus 
vaccines are grossly contaminated with, whoa, P-H-A-G-E-S, phages, even though it was against FDA regulations at the time. Rather than recall the vaccine, the FDA changed the rules so that the recall wouldn't cause undue concern for the parents. That's crazy. In 1987, the FDA decided this about vaccine. The virus used in manufacture used in manufacture shall be demonstrated to be free of extra extraneous microbial agents except for unavoidable bacterial phase. Bovine cow serum is frequently used is a frequently used vaccine growth medium and the most frequently contaminated animal serum with bacterial phage seeds. Vaccines have many other agents as well as viruses and contaminants that can cause significant injury a child in a child or adult or adult. The injuries include brain swelling and permanent brain injuries, seizures, convulsions, blood disorders, and even death. In 1988, over $3.4 billion in compensation has been paid by the federal government to vaccine victims. Y'all hear that? In 1998, over $3.4 billion, that's a lot of money, dollars paid in compensation by the federal government to vaccine victims, and yet they have paid for autism. Studies have definitely shown that vaccines can result in autism, a disease that has increased from 1 in 10,000 in 1990 to 1 in 150 in 2000. Now, I don't know if uh, many people are aware, but a long time ago, you didn't have as many... um, vaccinations to take. So it seems to be a correlation between the increase in vaccinations and the increase in autism. To the current rate of 1 in 68 children, according, that's, that's the risk you take. Every 68, you're taking that risk of, according to uh, Cook here, you're taking a risk your child of developing or being exposed to autism by way of this uh, vaccine. That he, that he or she even. According to the CDC, the most recent numbers break down to 1 in 42 boys and 1 in 189 girls diagnosed with autism. So it's an increased risk for boys. While other environmental assaults are also associated with autism, the increased vaccination schedule can be the trigger a significant contributing factor of the condition. These other conditions are often unknown and not symptomatic until the vaccine injury triggers a cascade of problems. So I've heard stories of people, you know, just in talking about uh, vaccines and how children's behavior change once the child was lively, one day, one on uh, the next day, they hardly could move or anything like that. You know, the child was after the vaccine, child function uh, was like eighty percent uh, couldn't function. Child was couldn't do 
hardly anything. I heard it one story about a guy that was an athlete had a uh, uh, some kind of immunization, uh, some kind of vaccination, and uh, he's in a wheelchair as a result of that. So uh, vaccines are unavoidably unsafe, according to the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Safety assessments for vaccines have not often included toxicity toxicity studies because the vaccines have not been viewed as inherently toxic. Yet vaccines are legally defined as unavoidably unsafe. I don't I, how do how does the state local government require mandatory uh vaccination uh, of a product that's unavoidably unsafe. You know, I don't want to say that. Anyway, it is not just childhood vaccines that come with substantial risk. Influenza vaccine, vaccines for specially transmitted diseases and others contain similar risks with adverse events. So it's not just children at risk, you adults, Getting that flu shot, um, getting uh, those vaccinations for sexually transmitted diseases, uh, and there might be a lot of people doing that. You're at risk. Also, troubling is that vaccination is recommended now for pregnant women, even though vaccine package inserts clearly they have not been tested on pregnant women. So the effect on the fetus can't be known. Well, I think the effects of the fetus will be known after enough pregnant women receive the vaccine and then we see what happens to the, the fetus as a result of that. So maybe that is the test. So you pregnant women out there getting that vaccine while you're pregnant, I know you're weighing um, the risk, the... Uh, Elimination of a disease, the uh, contraction of a disease. Also, you need to weigh in a third factor, how it's going to impact on your child. So think about it. You know, that's all I'm saying. Give me some information to think about. In the 1960s, only a handful of childhood vaccines were given. The current CDC recommended vaccines together for children now has over 30 vaccines by the time a child turns six. 30 uh, unavoidably unsafe vaccines by the time a child is six years old and an additional potential for up to 30 more by the time that child reaches age 18. So that's uh, possibly 60 uh, unavoidably unsafe patients uh, injected into your child. This could increase this. Could this increase be linked to our decline health? For example, currently, one in six children in the U.S. has a learning disability. Over 50% suffer from some type of chronic illness. Cancer is the leading cause of death in our children. Autism rates have soared from 1 in 10,000, right, as you said, in 1990 to 1 in 68 today. I did at least a correlation. 
between the increase in uh, time of chronological. Since genetic mutations change slowly over generations, we must look to environmental causes for these changes, while other environmental toxins certainly are at play in these statistics, disregarding the potential role of the amount of toxins injected into children through vaccines is not only bad public policy, it is bad science, but it might be good business. By disregarding the role of vaccines in our statistics for infant, for infant mortality and chronic diseases, we could be doing more harm than good in mandating or even advising them. So, sounds like it's good business to me. Vaccine adverse effects known and known risks. The list of side effects for vaccines is long and troubling. A quick scan of the vaccine injury table kept by the Health Resource Center for the Department of Health and Human Science reveals that compensation for injury is possible from a variety of the most common vaccines given to children. Again, I'm just going to say the last part. Compensation for injury is possible from a variety of the most common vaccines given to children. But if you don't connect, if you can't connect that illness to a vaccine, you're not going to even look to be compensated for anything. So the adverse events are the reason the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program has paid out over $3 billion from 1998 to 2016, despite the fact that only one in five claims received any compensation at all. Studies revealed that a small fraction of those injured by vaccines ever filed any claim at all, since most doctors reject the notion that a problem was caused by a vaccine, despite the reality that such problems are listed on the manufacturer's product insert. So you're, some doctors are not going to even support it. So, I, you know, maybe if he administered the uh, vaccine, you know, maybe he don't want to be included in that uh, that lawsuit, that compensation uh, for injury uh, claim. So maybe he's covering his tracks by saying, oh, no, 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 it's not that. So who knows? Can you trust your doctor? You have that kind of doctor? Who knows? So vaccines, adverse effects list. Various vaccines are linked to the following serious adverse reaction, anaphylactic shock, aseptic meningitis, meningitis, Bell's palsy, facial palsy, isolated cranial nerve palsy, blood disorders, such as thumb, I can't even say that word, thrombocytopenic for a disease that destroys palate needed for clotting. So I guess that's a blood disorder where, like, you know, you have people who are what they call bleeders, so hemophiliacs and things like that, so I guess it creates some kind of hemophilia in, in some people. And that might be connected to why some uh, children or uh, infants are born um, hemophiliac. Who knows? 
bronchial neuritis, cerebrovascular accident, or stroke, chronic rheumatoid arthritis, convulsions, seizures, fibril seizures, death, of course, brain swelling, hearing loss, Gillian's um, Barrett syndrome. I have no idea what that is. So I didn't look it up. There's so much information in here. Uh, immune system disorders, lymphatic system disorders, multiple sclerosis, myocarditis, nervous system disorders, neurological syndromes, including autism, paralysis, and myelitis, including transverse myelitis. I have the slightest idea what that is, but it doesn't sound like anything I want my kid to have. Uh, peripheral neuropathology, neuropathy, pneumonia and lower respiratory infection, skin and tissue disorders, including eczema. There's a lot of eczema going around. Uh, sudden infant death syndrome, that's a much of that. Uh, Tendinitis, ringing in the ears. Uh, vaccine strain versions of chickenpox, measles, mumps, polio, influenza, meningitis, yellow fever, and pesticides. That's uh, that's a that's a lot. Vasculitis, inflammation of blood vessels. So if your blood vessels inflamed, man, I mean that's just I guess that's like somebody blowing up a balloon. The blood vessels are inflamed, something like you can uh, also you have um mitochondria dysfunction and vaccine. Mitochondria is the cells throughout our bodies that are responsible for creating ninety percent of the energy needed to sustain life and support organ function. Mr. Uh, Cook here is saying uh, that the uh the vaccines uh have the ability to impair that. So, I mean, if that's happening, then you become non-functional. And maybe that's what happened to the kid that was an athlete sure bound. People have very genetic makeup and individual response, so there isn't a way to tell if a given vaccine will provide the benefit of immunity because the illness is it's meant because the, Ill, the illness is meant to prevent or cause mild or serious neurological illness or other adverse events, including death following vaccination in some individuals. So some people get vaccinated and worst case scenario they die. Um or they contract the uh the illness that they have one of the risks you take when um uh, taking vaccine. So I I know a lot of us are probably asking ourselves Is it better to prevent risk prevention by risking getting uh, contracting a disease? You're putting a disease in your body when you get a vaccine. It's your body's immune system can build up a tolerance or antibodies, you know. So, like the man, like the, you know, the vaccine in itself is not what's in the vaccine is not healthy. So vaccines are known to be problematic for a segment of the population with a specific mitochondria 
genetically patient, which may affect up to 4,000 babies a year. So that's very interesting. We've got 4,000 babies a year that may be have this condition where the mitochondria in their body may be affected. There's 4,000 kids where they may the, the ability to create energy, sustain life, and support organ function may be uh, affected by a vaccine. Some of those with a particular form of this dysfunction are unable to detoxify the poisons such as aluminum and mercury that are in the vaccine. This inability, inability to detoxify the metals causes damage to multiple organ systems with sometimes devastating results. So we know what that could be. That could be anything from a rash to paralysis to death. Um, and they say that's happening. Uh, it may affect up to 4,000 uh, babies, babies a year. That's not even, you know, he ain't even been here long enough to go through something. And it, his 2004 testimony to Congress, Dr. Rashid Patar, former vice chair of the American Board of Clinical Metal Technology and Scientist at the North Carolina State University, said that children with autism suffer from acute mercury, mercury toxicity, which results in many imbalances, including systemic candiditis, depression, immune dysfunctions, and gastrointestinal diet, both diabiosis. I mean, these words are something else. I need to find some, some medical terms that are easy to pronounce. I love that. So, anyway, he calls these conditions fires which resulted from one spark, mercury included. And the mercury in trace amounts still in childhood vaccine. There are inadequate testing for vaccines. The problem associated with vaccines should lead manufacturers to conduct stringent testing. However, quite the opposite is true in vaccine testing. There was no cumulative safety testing done prior to licensing. No placebo standard safety testing done. No carcinogenic or mutagenic capacity testing done, even though vaccines contain animal DNA and carcinogens. Y'all heard that? No carcinogenic or mutant, mutant, mutagenic capacity testing done, even though vaccines contain animal DNA and carcinogens. Whoa, that's, that's, that's deep right there. So we put animal DNA and carcinogens in our child and our children, however that's minute or not. That is, uh, you know, are we even aware or what's in a vaccine when we take our children to get a vaccine. I think that everyone should take the time out to find out what these so-called medical professionals are putting into your child because you just assume that it's safe. You assume, you know, things that you don't know anything about. You should, you should start doing some research on these things. This is your child's life and quality of life and your life, and your life, and your quality of life. It's going to impair your quality because you, you get back. We get back. We get vaccines too. 
we get uh, the flu vaccines, these um, vaccinations for um, STDs. Many people get those. So, I mean, you need to find out just what they're putting in you. Somebody puts uh, something in you, I think you should, should know what it is. So, safety or toxicity of vaccine is studied for a short term rather than a long term. Many studies are limited to just a few weeks when a vaccine is tested. It is given to a healthy people, and they are only given that one injection, not multiple injections at once, like a baby. The current CDC recommended schedule with a number of vaccines injected on a given day has never been tested. In essence, the current schedule is an experiment. Sounds like it to me. If it's never been tested and it's given to the public, then the test, the study, the public are the guinea pigs for that uh, vaccine or whatever. So the test is being done, if you want to look at it that way. You're the guinea pig, your child and you. So maybe years from now they'll come up with the uh, information. 20 years from now they do a lot of the other stuff. Wait 20 years, come out with something, and say, it's, uh, oh, yeah, this is uh, not good. You got one thing. 20 years from now, maybe they have something else. So they'll be able to say that. We don't use that anymore because chronic health conditions and children began going rapidly at the same time that the new vaccines were introduced in 1985, between 1985 and 1991. Now implicating one in two adolescents, autism. ADHD, food allergies, bowel diseases, and other conditions began growing in the late 1980s. So the question is, for us caretakers, mothers, fathers, grandparents, uh, caregivers, are we putting our children at risk when we take them to get uh, vaccinated? Is uh, That is an issue for us. Now, how do you feel about that? No. So the HIV vaccine was introduced in 1985 and replaced the HIV conductive conjugate I don't even say conjugate vaccine in 1988 to avoid a death rate of one per 160. Perhaps. It's known that vaccines kill, right? But it's in such a, a large of uh, uh, percentage of persons that are a low percentage of persons that are, you know, killed by vaccines. One in a hundred and six thousand persons. Well, ask a person whose child died from that. His children died as a result of taking that vaccine. Is is that such a small thing? Uh, the hepatitis B vaccine was introduced for newborns in 1991 to avoid the risk of transmission from the mother, which can occur in one in 480 births. Hep B is a blood-borne illness not transmitted by casual contact. So an infant is not at risk unless the mother is Hep B positive. So here's another, that's another question. But they say the Hep B vaccine was introduced for newborns to avoid risk of transmission from the mother. But Hep B is a bloodborne illness, not transmitted by 
casual contact. So the infant is not at risk unless the mother is at B positive. So think about that, mom. And when you uh, somebody's offering you that, if you're not Hep B positive while you're getting your Hep B uh, shot. Vaccine additives, mercury and aluminum. One traditional role in medicine is that things are unsafe until proven otherwise. Despite this and the understanding that aluminum is a neurotoxin, scientists still don't understand exactly what aluminum does in a vaccine. You know, I've heard that uh, aluminum is just bad for you, period, even like aluminum foil, aluminum pans, and things like that. So, you know, imagine, you know, putting that in your child's body. Anyway, according to a 2007 article entitled Neurological Adverse Events of Immunization, Experience with the Aluminum and Do." A vaccine that had aluminum in it. So, aluminum salt, aluminum hydroxide, aluminum phosphate, and alum have been the main uh, ingredients used in vaccines for almost 80 years and are the only ingredients currently licensed for use in humans in the U.S. Despite the long experience, the mechanism of action still appears unclear. For many years, the main effect of loom was believed to keep the active antigen of the injection site at the injection site and therefore available for initial interaction with the immune system. However, as shown that the antigen disappears from the injection site within a few hours, the most important mechanism of mechanism of loom is properly medicated through activation of antigen-presenting cells. Aluminum additives also strongly influence the type of immune response and are important for stimulation of antibody production, but probably do not induce cell-medicated immunity. So that sounds like it's not doing what they say it does. Two things stand out. Researchers are not sure what aluminum um, um, does exactly, but they guess whatever action is relevant does not include cell-mediated um, immunity. So it has, it's not the aluminum. So why do you put the aluminum into the product? That's the question. It's not doing anything on, in terms of immunity, cell immunity. So I don't know. that That's crazy. Like what, is, what could be the purpose of that? Any body production alone does not uh, exist. Uh, this particular uh, paper goes on to describe many adverse effects, adverse effects of the aluminum, including serious neurological dysfunction. But the authors insist that most of the adverse effects are coincidental and not causal, even when the authors admit to vaccine-induced adverse events they say that the vaccine is still better for most people than the lifelong problem by those injured. So that's like saying the um, it outweighs the um, the um, method outweighs the um, disease. The paper also noted that the that the um, the additives and the um, 
vaccines in the depth studies demonstrating the overall effect of the additives of the immune system were necessary to avoid surprising and negative consequences. However, should there be the more serious events occurring in less than one in ten thousand vaccines, there will only they will only be revealed when the vaccine is taken into general use. So in other words, the general population is the completion of the experiment with safety. So sounds to me like the uh vaccine slash pharmaceutical companies are testing their vaccines on the general population. That's what Mr. Cook is saying and that's what it sounds like to me also. Since if they're not running a, a substantial test on these medicines or, or diseases that which they're putting in your body, you know, and the the additives, the things that they put to uh, prolong, sustain shelf life, or make uh, the vaccine do something you want it to do in the body, on the body, and, you know, make sure that these things are safe. I mean, who is looking after the safety of the child? You know, because initially, uh, we take our children to get vaccines, vaccinations, immunization shots for safety. But this guy is saying, hey, you're putting your child in harm's way. Fortunately, uh, many children survive this in terms of uh, death, but maybe they're not surviving it and that some of the illnesses that we see in our children today of the vaccines or the ingredients that they put in vaccines. So, so, vaccines work by stimulating and exciting an immune response. They, the efficiency of a vaccine is measured by the production of antibodies. So they give you your disease, you build up these antibodies. The stimulation of antibody production is achieved or not when either a live or killed virus or other vaccine agent is injected into the child or adult. The theory is that this antibody response fascinated individuals from future exposure. So they're saying your body will, will respond to this and replicate the response, and you won't be able to uh, catch that disease again. For live virus vaccines, the virus is grown on mediums that include aborted fetal tissue. Did anybody know that? And tissues from monkeys, cows, chickens, dogs, mice, and other animals. Did anybody know that? I did this. I mean, that's news to me. Growing the live virus on animal cells is supposed to make them less virulent to humans, yet still strong enough to induce an immune response. This virus is then manufactured with a variety of additives and preservatives to make the serum injected as a vaccine. Now, this is why we need to read. We need to stop being blind and trusting everything that somebody does and trusting the, uh, the process. We need to see what the process is, know what the process is first. I mean, look, they're using tissue from animals. You're shooting that in your kid. Growing a virus on the tissue of dogs, mice. How many of y'all scared of mice? I'm saying. 
you know, well, non-live virus vaccines include bacterial toxins, killed whole virus, and proteins, among other things, and require the use of additives to stimulate an immune response. They call these are uh, adjuvants. These adjuvants stimulate the response, create, and create the antibodies that are the measures of success of the vaccine. However, the antibodies are not necessarily effective measures of true immunity from either live or non-live vaccine. Most common use vaccine of adjuvant is aluminum, a heavy metal that is known as a known neurotoxin associated with brain dysfunction, including Dementia, Alzheimer's disease, aluminum can last up to eight years in the brain, resulting in accumulative neurological damage from additional exposure. So, I mean, dementia and Alzheimer's, that's, that's, that's implicating that the shots you got as a child may show up, the results of that, right, may show up when you're an adult, when you turn on 60. Or 65 or 70, but or 50, maybe Alzheimer's. You know, know, dementia. You don't know when you what. I don't know what age you can get that at, but maybe I don't know. Not a scientist. I haven't done any studying. Just from the information I'm looking at, uh, these vaccines may affect you. May the effect of the vaccine may show up in your adult life. So sounds like nobody's safe. Despite all the reporting to the contrary, vaccines have been have been definitely linked to autism. In nineteen eighty six a class action lawsuit against vaccine manufactured by hundreds of parents whose children experienced regressive autism following vaccination resulted in legislation that absolved vaccine makers from liability and created a program which pays compensation for injury. That right there you need to pay attention to. Two things happen here. One, the vaccine corporations, right, were able to, to get legislation, right, passed in their favor, which observe, absorb, absolve them from liability and created a program which pays compensation for the injury. That's very interesting. And a class action of two case would in this way through that system, most of the parents' claims were rejected until Hannah Pallon. Her case was championed by her father, John Pallon, MD, PhD, a neurologist and professor at the Medical College of Georgia. So it took somebody who knew something, right, to do something. According to the uh, 2011 article, Unanswered Questions from the, from the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, a review of compensated cases of vaccine-induced brain injury in the Case Environment Law Review, in order for in order to file a claim with injuries 
in the Vaccine Injury Compensation Program, parents of injured children are pressured to blame any autism spectrum brain injury on non-autism causes. That's interesting. Yeah, that's, um, isn't that like tampering? There's a lot of, I mean, it just seems like there's a lot of tampering going on. we got uh, legislation being passed that absorbs that absorbs uh, vaccine makers from liability. That seems like tampering to me. I don't know. And you got uh, parents uh, being uh, pressured to blame uh, injuries on brain injuries on non-autism causes. I mean, what's going on there? What's happening here? Typical symptoms of autism such as brain swelling, seizures have been compensated for as long as parents have find them as side effects of the vaccine rather than calling them symptoms of regressive autism caused by the vaccine. Today, one in 68 children has autism, according to CDC. No secret to the gods of this world, and I mean that figuratively, um, that the vaccines are uh, related to autism, but maybe some of us out there in the listening audience uh, have no idea the uh, risks that uh, are involved with the uh, vaccine. So, fortunately, uh, hopefully, uh, we uh, escape a lot of the uh, side effects of this mistaken vaccine. So, cross-species contamination. One very troubling danger results from the very the way vaccines are producing cross-species viral contamination. For example, the SV40 virus, that's a simian virus, simian monkey, was transferred from monkeys to humans by growing the polio virus on monkey kidneys. Man, I just... The SV40 virus causes human cancer. Journal of National Cancer um, Institute, 1997, said the virus was injected into hundreds of millions. We have a caller. Uh, caller, welcome to our provocative story. Uh, good evening, Tom. This is Q. Um, hey, Q. Yeah, um, I guess I got um, immunized back in the um, 60s and the 70s, and... Um, I don't know if anything happened to me that um that could have affected me. I, I did have asthma, so I don't know if that that came up because of that. But um, I don't have anything major wrong with me. But I do know that I stopped taking the flu vaccination because it gave me the flu. Um, I, I took the shot, and like within uh, twelve hours, I had the cold, chills, and everything like that. So that was kind of like. Last immunization I got, and that was back in the 80s. Oh, that's good. So at least you stopped. Huh? I mean, that's good. You had, you had the, uh, you know, the mind to stop it. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I try to stay away from that. That type of thing now. Right. Well, you know, I, don't, I haven't heard too much personally about, without reading, people being injured. Um, about vaccines, but, you know, after reading uh, and researching some of the information and some of the things that I see with children, 
I'm, now I have to wonder if a lot of this ADHD, uh, all this behavioral stuff that I'm seeing, it, could it be related to the vaccine and the way that the vaccines are given? We have another yeah, that change you that change you're talking call. about? That must have been it. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like um, you have this good restaurant everybody like going to, getting a good cheesesteak. Then all of a sudden they get new management and the sandwiches are different or something like that. That's that's what it sounded like kind of happened with the um with those drugs. You know when they originally gave they originally had them going out um and everything was okay. Everybody that got it in the fifties and that. Okay, I'm gonna get this next caller one real quick. We have another caller. Oh, no more calls. Hello. Hello. Hello? Yes. Yes. Oh, I was just um, listening to some of your findings and um, I'm a bit overwhelmed by the information that you uh, shared today, Um, but it just goes goes to speak to how deceptive the um, medical profession is um, to us because um, I guess I didn't realize that you was breaking down the statistics and the... um, the properties of the um, a vaccine. Right. And like the other caller was saying previously, he got the flu shot and caught the flu. And so casually the doctors speak of it like, yeah, you will get the flu, but that's your body, you know, adjusting to the vaccination. So why vaccinate me if it's going to give me the um, infection anyway? Right. You know, like what, what difference... I mean, I'm sure there are um, resources to promote healing that comes through food and um, natural uh, things that we could, you know, digest in our system to help fight the flu that we don't necessarily have to get a vaccination for it. Um, And we could practice some forms of preventive care. But the... um, Okay, we're not to end the, the, the medical profession really promotes vaccination. Right. Because they affect people when they're trying to register for school for their children. You know, like, like the system requires this, which is a problem. But I, I thank you for the time. I know your program is coming to an end. It is, it's ending. Nine o'clock. We got to go. I want to thank you for calling. Thank you, Free Mother for Real Media, for allowing me to host the show, the creator. Everybody, please stay tuned next week. I'm sorry to check you all. And um, sorry I had to put this information in. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself. Till then, everybody, each one week one, each one week one. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox and four parts without commercial interruption. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading the charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from the Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. 